Welcome to The Dish, the culinary travel podcast focusing on the stories behind world-famous foods. We are your hosts, Tom and Megzi from foodfuntravel.com. Join us for tasty histories, destination food guides, and more. In this episode, the history of France's most famous bread, the baguette. We talk about Napoleon's pocket bread and was the first baguette bigger than a person? We'll find out. Hello, everybody. We Hello, are back. Oh, yay! We're back with a new and fresh episode of The Dish. Yes. Had a couple of weeks off. I had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, crazy things have been happening. But, you know, uh, one thing that a lot of people didn't realize is, you know, I've just been thinking about food for non like nonstop for nine months now. Yeah. Yeah, that happens. I mean, I've been thinking about food nonstop for longer than that. That is true. I don't think. But it intensified so much while being pregnant, <laughs> I have to say. But it's exciting to be back. Yes, it is. And we're getting back with one of my favorite foods. The baguette. So simple, but so amazing. It's one of the best breads ever made. Possibly the best type of bread in the world. Oh, big call. And I know this is the dish and we normally do dishes, but I would say the baguette is a dish because oh. I will sit down and eat it. I would totes just I eat a baguette. I don't even need butter on it. I don't need cheese on it. I don't need anything on it. I will just sit and eat a baguette. I can assure you that if I've ever bought a baguette and I'm taking it home, it will never get home in one piece. Yes. And I'm specifically referring to proper French baguettes in France. Yeah, not talking about that crap you get at the supermarket. Nah, the horrible stuff you get at the supermarket that's like a big white bread with that round, those round little circles on the bottom, like because it's been made in a tray. Oh, yeah. It's like a factory produced rubbish bit of baguette. Yeah. I'm not talking about that. I mean, I'll eat them because it's bread and I'll eat bread, <laughs> but it's not even close to the same as a proper artisanal baguette in France. From not the boulangerie. Close. From the boulangerie. Where you get some bread, Et le pain, oui. mais pain in uh, le boulangerie, uh, moi, moi pain. <laughs> I'm speaking French and Spanish at the same time. <laughs> moi, pain pour moi, <laughs> in a French and a Spanish accent, almost. <laughs> You're doing fantastic. Oh, yeah, I don't know what's going on with this, uh, it's too confusing, too many languages. All right, so yes, uh, this is almost certainly my favourite combination of yeast, flour, salt and water from all the bready options out there. Georgian bread here where we are in Tbilisi, also pretty good. It is good. But uh, I think baguette tops it. Baguette's number one for me. Absolutely. Now, normally we, uh, we describe the dish at the start of each episode to I explain what it is. I think it's necessary. Uh, really, if we need to describe baguette, there's a problem here. Yeah. And then, you know, if you don't know, then Wikipedia is your friend. Yeah, yeah. Go Google it because surely you know what it is. All right. You might know what a baguette in general is, but there are actually different types of baguette. If you go to France, there's actually quite a few. So, of course, the standard baguette that we're normally aware of, just the usual French stick, as people call it in England, is the baguette ordinaire. Mm -hmm. The ordinary baguette. Yep. <laughs> simple. Uh, no to, translation needed no, there. No, that, that one translates straight up. Uh, <laughs> normally about 65 centimetres long. That's about the average sort of length. But if that baguette's too big for you, you can get a, a demi-baguette, something like a half half-length baguette, personal one. Sometimes that it can be made as like a short baguette. That does happen. But also it is typical that they will just take a regular baguette and just cut it in half. 
So someone who wants a half baguette, so they get that. And then the next customer who wants a half baguette gets the other half. And then they cut another one in half. Yep. It's like going to Subway. Yeah. So that can also happen as well. Yeah. The smaller variety that exists is called a, a déjeunette. Oh. Déjeunette. And uh, yeah, rather than a demi baguette. So the demi baguette's just, they actually cut it in half. Yes, and then there are larger versions of the baguette called the flute. 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 Are they uh, the length of a flute? Uh, no, I mean, they are larger than 65 centimeters. I remember we have seen these. I think they were just longer, yeah. as I recall. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, they were like longer and thinner, I think. How long is a flute? Well, a flute is less than 65 centimeters. So, unless like it's a giant playing a flute, and then maybe it's a giant flute. But for a standard human, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I think I remember having them a couple of times. I definitely remember seeing them in the bakery. So yes. In the boulangerie. Also, the ficelle, which is the string baguette. This is a thinner and crunchier version of the baguette. It's another one to go for. Oh, there we go. A flute is 67 centimetres. Oh, so it's two centimetres longer. That doesn't make any sense. No. I think the 65 centimetre is a general length. So maybe, I don't know, maybe is it a bit wider as well then? I thought it was a little thinner for some reason, but. I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know. It's a different one. It's got a different name. You'll see them. You'll notice it. You'll go in the boulangerie and there'll be all these different long stick breads lined up and you'll see them all named with these different names. So flute is one to look out for. And then my favorite is the tradition, the traditional baguettes. We ate a lot of these. These are the more rustic ones. And yeah. You might describe these as a real baguette because uh, actually... Uh, in actual fact, the tradition, unlike a, a standard baguette these days, is one that falls under a specific bread decree, la decree de pain. Oh, so it has to be made a certain way? Yes. Uh, in 1993, the uh, French government decided that all of these factory-made automated baguettes were going, oh, to destroy, going to destroy French bread culture. It's true. So they actually created a law that said if you wanted to make a, a baguette that could be called a traditional baguette, then you had to do it to these specific rules. It has to be made by hand. It has to be sold in the same venue in which it is made, so at the actual bakery. Uh -huh. And uh, it has to be made only with water, flour, yeast, and salt, unlike these stupid ones in the supermarket where they put 30 different types of preservatives in them. Yeah, which is, and they last two weeks. <laughs> yeah, which they really shouldn't. A typical baguette should be eaten within five hours of being baked. Otherwise, it is already starting to go way past its best. There you go. And obviously, it's best about 20 minutes after it's just come out and it's still nice it's and hot. It's warm and it's crunchy on the outside, yeah. it's soft on the inside. Oh, ah, That's ah. it. Exactly. Um, and actually, these traditional baguettes, uh, at least up until recently, I don't know, stats change all the time, but uh, they, were, they ended up making up about half of the baguettes sold in France because French people are picky about bread as well and they want proper baguettes. So they don't just want factory-made stuff. I mean, nope. they buy it, people buy it. It's easier in the supermarket, you buy it. But if you've got time to go to the boulangerie in and the I morning... I think it's good to have the distinction because you want to know what bread you're getting. I mean, because it gets to the point where some places... It, the only way to know what you're getting in your bread is to make it yourself. So mm. at least with a title like that, then especially the French know exactly what they're getting. It's restricted. Plus, I mean, if you're French, you'll have your local boulangerie that you'll go down to and you'll go and get the bread that you know from the person that you know. Yeah. That you know is going to be good bread every time. Uh, and actually, yes, the French have such a national obsession with bread that France has its own Observatoire du Pain, which is uh, the bread observatory. <laughs> To observe the bread of France. Uh, these guys have some national statistics. They reckon that the French consume 320 baguettes per second nationwide. Oh. 
which adds up to 30 million per day, roughly, and 10 billion per year in total. Wowza. That's half a baguette per person per day in France. I don't think this includes tourists, of which France has one of the highest tourisms. <laughs> well, not right now with Did. COVID. They, they were one of the high, most popular tourist destinations in the world, I believe, maybe the most popular. So uh, it probably isn't half a baguette per person, but it's like roughly, yeah. roughly that amount. So it's quite a lot. Now, apparently, though, although that is a massive amount of bread to be eaten, that is not the most popular baguette eating country in the world. Any guests where it might Vietnam. Uh, it's not Vietnam. Oh. Although, I mean, they are also quite popular in Vietnam. But Oh, then I don't know. Okay, uh, it's Algeria. I I've never would have got that. Former French colony. They eat 49 million baguettes per day rather than 30 million. And that's roughly one per person because their population is a lot smaller than France. Uh, although I double checked these stats and it's a little bit misleading because Algerian baguettes are not typically as big as French baguettes. Ah. So in terms of total physical quantity of bread... Yeah, maybe about the same. Yeah. But yeah, in actual items, units sold, Algeria's number one. Uh, so yeah, out of all of these different types of baguettes that you might like, whether it's Algerian or the flute, uh, I think, as we said at the start, baguettes are just better in France. doesn't matter which type of bread you're getting. I just haven't had a better baguette anywhere else in the world. And I don't think it's just a, oh, I'm surrounded by l'affeteur and things like this. It's, it's more that just the bread is better there. It's just objectively better. I completely agree. Yeah, 100%. Although we did get a baguette and then go down to the Eiffel Tower and, and consume it. Yes. With some, uh, with some French cheese, some brie or camembert, I believe. And, and a bottle of wine. And a bottle of wine, because why not? Because it's Europe. You can sit outside and have a drink in front of the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Or at least you could then. I got no idea. Life changes. Uh, socially distanced bottle of wine. Yeah. Right outside the Eiffel Tower these days, perhaps. But yeah, that perfect crunchy outside and the soft dense inside. Oh, so good. Uh, we're going to talk about why it goes like that as we get through the history and the evolution. I can actually bread. hear the crunch, you know, when yeah. you bite into it. Like I can envision, like I can hear the crunch. And when you have it and when it's perfect like that uh, in France, the, unlike the supermarket ones where the outside crust basically just falls to pieces and shreds all over your floor. Oh, I hate that. Rubbish, right? But in France, it doesn't do that really at all. Like no. if it's fresh, if it's within a few hours of being baked. Because it's bouncy too. Yeah, it's, it's crunchy, crunchy but crunchy bouncy. bouncy. Yeah, it's amazing. Amazing. So completely different. All right. Let's take a look at the history and then we can also learn at the same time a little bit why it has that amazing texture. Mm -hmm. So the word baguette simply means like wand or baton or stick. So it's, it's a long stick bread. Pretty simple. But the actual term baguette probably didn't become attached to this type of thin bread until the early 20th century. And we're going to talk about when that happens as we go through the history. But to find out the origin of baguettes, we do need to go a little bit further back. So the exact time at which the modern baguette shape appeared might not be completely clear, but there's lots of different fun theories about the first time it might have happened and eventually when it had definitely happened. So we can sort of work through that and see where we get to. There's, uh, there's some fun stories in here. Okay. I think people may have... Like urban myth type stories, but they're, they're, they're pretty good. Yeah. All right. So there's a, the first tale, the first story of uh, the baguette or something, the proto-baguette, is from the French Revolution. So late 18th century. This patriotic tale suggests that uh, there was a complete lack of bread because all the rich people had bread and uh, the poor people only had cake, apparently. That, that's where that phrase <laughs> Thank you, Marie <laughs> oh, Antoinette. No, no bread? Oh, let them eat cake. Like, no, Marie, they don't have cake either. What, what, what are you talking about? 
Oh dear. Moron. Well, she lost her head. She didn't did she? lose her so, head over that. Yes. Yeah. So you know that's that's what happens when you when you take the Mickey out of people with no food. Yeah. <laughs> they cut your head they off. They don't appreciate it. It turns they, out they really don't. Yes. So apparently. After all of this situation where no one had any bread and so they killed all of the uh, all of the, the rich people, they wanted to eat bread again and they wanted to make sure that everyone got bread because that was the fair world and that was the equality of, of France. That's that what was they to fought come. for, yeah. That was exactly what they were after. That was the purpose of the revolution. Uh, so in 1793, the uh, the the government, the post-revolution government, called the Convention, apparently. I didn't fact check that, but uh, that's what the information said. That's what they were called. Uh, not a history show, exactly. Food. So, no. Hopefully they're called the Convention. They left this decree saying that richness and poverty must both disappear from the government of equality. Uh, it will no longer make a bread of wheat for the rich and a bread of bran for the poor. All bakers will be held under the penalty of imprisonment to make only one type of bread. The bread of equality. Oh, there you go. That's apparently what happened. That's the first story, apparently, that everyone was just getting the same quality of bread. No reference to the shape of the bread in that. No, you can so, just have bread. Cause, yeah, because I sort of think of like sourdoughs, like, like circular. Yeah, and they were eating a lot of circular breads, especially in the 17th century. And then by the 18th century is actually the time when longer bread started to come in. So this is possibly why people equate this story about the bread of equality to being like, and here is the baguette. But that's really just, that seems like such a nationalistic story of like, this is our national symbol. Yeah. And of course it happened in 1793 when we made the bread decree. Like, is that what happens? No, not necessarily. Yeah, but there but, was but long bread. When you think about it, like waving around a baton baguette <laughs> yeah. is much more nationalistic and powerful than it is this dumpy little circular yeah. bread. Just waving your bread. Liberty! Yeah. Pan equality! <laughs> It'd be fun. Yeah, why not? Um, that could have been what happens, or who knows? But there was definitely round breads and there was definitely long breads. And long breads actually did become a lot more popular in the 18th century. And by the end of the 18th century, around about when the bread of equality would have come out, uh, one author named Paramentier, uh, he noted that so much crust uh, was favoured at that point, rather than the, the big breads that had lots of doughy insides mm -hmm. or had gone a bit firm because they have to be cooked for so long to cook through. Uh, these longer, thinner breads meant you got more crust. And then the inside could still be a little soft. I love crust. I don't understand this whole concept of people not liking crust. The problem with crust, and this is probably what has happened with this long bread versus round bread. If you've ever had any of those really big, dense breads, that crust on the outside goes like leather. Yeah, it's hard that to bite. That is not fun to you eat. You have to like get right in the back of your mouth, like right in your canines to rip yeah. into that. Yeah, it's, it's just not delicious bread but when you've got the baguette type style then yeah of course that crust is amazing yeah but yeah it was at this point and he actually referenced the word flute to the flute breads the the larger longer breads he said so that was a name that apparently he knew of at the time that was being used to describe some of these long breads uh, whether that connects still with the modern one or not uh, not really sure but it could do could could make sense sort of could be a, an initial connection the word baguette of course was not being used at that point so yeah they had those long breads and this moves on to the Napoleonic era, early 19th century. Apparently, and this does not seem to be confirmed necessarily as a fact. This could just be a story about something Napoleon decreed. Couldn't get an actual reference. Maybe it's factual. Maybe it's not exactly factual. Passed a law decreeing that this long bread should be made into uh, sort of shorter, thinner loaves 
so it could fit exactly into the pocket of standard army uniforms so that every Frenchman could carry a baguette in his pocket. Uh-huh. So this is Napoleon's pocket bread. Yep. And um, that totally makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> of course. I mean, and we have these, these jokey things on TV shows about every Frenchman carrying a baguette. And apparently Napoleon decreed that they would carry baguettes in their pockets. I mean, I have to say, there is a long-standing fight for women's equality when it comes to pockets. Yep. And I really think that they should introduce not just pockets, but bread pockets yep. for all. I think this is definitely a step forward in equality. If, if anybody is listening to this and they are a designer, bread pockets. <laughs> bread pockets for women's coats. Just Spe- not pants too, anything. It's dresses. I will, take, I will take pockets, but I will also be very impressed with a bread pocket. But for your bread pocket, it can't be in your trousers or your pants because that would move around. Your legs would move around and you'd break up the bread and you'd just be full of crumbs. That's why I reckon the French soldiers were wearing those long trench coat types, uh, type jackets. Fair yeah. And yeah, you'd, you'd put your, uh, you know, Napoleon, classic Napoleon with his silly hat and his long trench coat. Sort of yeah, look. exactly. Yeah, he'd have a long bread pocket. And at that point, you could have a 65 centimeter long bread in your pocket. Do you think he'd open up his jacket? Like, like you know, like those guys that are like, do you want to buy a watch? And they've yeah, got the, but so, he's got like, do you want a baguette? I have the bread. Yeah. <laughs> the bread. Which, you, you want the flute? Oh, I have the flute. I have the Traditional. Baguette. Yeah. <laughs> Got them all. Traditional. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that could have definitely been, that was his side hustle. Yep. Or he just went into meetings uh, and he went and met with like diplomats and he's like, oh, my friends, I brought the bread. And it was like, Napoleon is the best. Yeah. We love Napoleon. And then he kills everybody and they don't like him so they were much like, anymore. Oh. And then Waterloo and. Uh, all yeah, that happened. Goes, goes badly, he started out it? being such a cool guy. So supposedly because of the size of the jacket or the pocket, that would be a suggestion that that was the first time the bread was made at that dimension, similar to a modern baguette. Still not called a baguette, but who knows? Now, one interesting coincidence, possibly, uh, that this, this happens to coincide with Napoleon's time was the introduction of the Austrian steam oven by August Zang to France. Now, uh, for anyone who's ever made a baguette, uh, I've made one at home, one of the essential parts of making it is you have to have steam in the oven. If you bake it in a dry oven, you don't get that beautiful sort of almost glazed color crust. But with that steam in the oven, that's actually what creates it. It means that the outside dough doesn't go firm as quickly and it gives it more time to cook. So that's essentially the reason with the steam, it sort of changes the cooking process from if it was a dry oven. Yeah. So it doesn't just instantly go, okay, it's dead, everything's cooked, and then it will just... Finish, you yeah. actually want some moisture in there. Yeah, yeah. So the moisture makes a huge amount of difference and leads to a, an area loaf on the inside as well, apparently. So, yeah. And so what happens is because of that, that slower uh, process in the outside crust forming, uh, the dextrose inside the bread, so the sugars in the bread actually start to sort of almost caramelize. And that's what causes a sort of almost glazed effect on the mm. outside. Tasty, tasty. Um, so, yeah. The only way they could be making a modern baguette would have been after this oven was introduced in the early 19th century. So, in actual fact, whatever they were eating during the French Revolution was not a baguette in any sense that we would understand today. Yeah. For sure. Just couldn't have happened without this uh, steam oven style production. So, before this happened, the conjecture is and the, yeah, the, the sort of evidence seems to suggest that they were longer and wider loaves. They weren't the baguette shape because they would have to be baked in a dry oven and baked for a longer amount of time. So completely different texture, completely different type of bread, completely different size of bread. And it's some time 
between then the French Revolution, the Napoleonic era, and sort of the mid-19th century is when reports start to appear about these giant person-sized breads. So instead of whatever mini baguettes Napoleon was making, by the mid-19th century, they've gone, hey, let's just make them bigger and bigger and bigger, and why not? And let's just see how far we could go with this. It sounds like they sort of, it was the very first thing, like, remember when, like, mobile phones were really, really big, and then they got really, really (laughs) small, like, the smallest phone was the coolest thing you could have, and then now they've got really big again? I feel like baguettes and phones have, like, a similar marketing company marketing team going on that that could definitely be what's happening it it was yeah if we just change the size all the time it's always new although we haven't had a person size phone that everyone's carrying around maybe on joke tv shows i think there was someone with a size phone the same size as so who who would afford a person size baguette that seems quite extravagant you buy it for a whole family or a restaurant and that would be all the bread for the day, apparently. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's not the width of a person as well, necessarily, but it's the length of a person. Apparently, these uh, breads were documented as reaching six feet long, so almost That's two meters. That's really long. Yeah, and considering how tall people were back then, that would be taller than most people. True. And that would be a big oven to cook that as well. Yeah, how would they get it in an oven? I, I t- I've no idea. They just had big ovens, I guess. They probably had pretty much walk-in ovens. Yeah. Loads of people. Huge, huge ovens. If you're baking bread for a whole neighborhood, you know, you can bake a lot of bread. So, yeah, this this one, uh, Pain Manchard de Vin, it's called a wine shop loaf. This was the one that was six feet long. Uh, This is because this would be a restaurant would buy this. Because they're drinking wine and eating bread. Now I get it. You just buy one loaf in the morning. Yeah, now I get it. It's going to feed your customers for most of the day. Uh, yeah, apparently one visitor, like a tourist, remarked that in a restaurant they went to, the baker came in stacked with loaves more than six feet high, and it looked like he was carrying like a massive bundle of logs. And uh, another one describes that when the bread was laid on the table, it was longer than the table itself. <laughs> I wonder if there's anyone in France that's still making bread baguettes that size. Uh, I don't know. This just seems to that be- That would a, be fun. It seemed to fall out of fashion, and uh, it just- because no one could afford to have ovens that big anymore. <laughs> I think they could. They sell a lot of bread in France. <laughs> 10 billion baguettes per year. They can afford a good oven. It's not a problem. Um, yeah. So these breads were huge. Uh, as you said, like if you had a big old phone back in those days, people could have taken a selfie of themselves with a bread bigger than they I were. I know. They, couldn't, they weren't awesome. even doing it for the Insta. I know. It, this would be so cool to have actual photos of this. I don't even know if there's any paintings of this. Uh, that would have been so awesome. But yeah, it was quite typical that uh, someone would just carry loads of these on their back or try and hold them between their arms. <laughs> yeah, you'd see housemaids wandering the streets at 6am trying to get these home to the master's house and stuff. <laughs> like, what? So completely crazy. One obvious explanation is that these were for like large households and restaurants. Uh, but the other apparent, uh, the conjecture is that there was this thing, a loaf that that side is considered a pan de fantise, uh, which I assume, and I didn't double fact check what that actually means, but I assume that means it, like, it's so insane it's not really a real bread. And it could have been some sort of tax dodge, that it, it wasn't really bread because it was too big. Ah. So the, this seems to be one conjecture that the reason they kept making them bigger and bigger, they're like, ah, yeah, we, we don't have to follow the same regulations if we have it this size because mm-hmm. it's not bread anymore, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, th- these sorts of things happen in history, so I could well believe you that could have happened. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, so these loaves of this side at, size actually uh, persisted through Paris uh, for at least sort of 50 or 60 years during the 19th century, all the way up into the 20th century. Oh, wow. They were still eating bread this size and they weren't eating little baguettes at all, a petit baguette. No, no. Um, but by the end of the century, improvements in both yeast and milling led us towards some more modern breads. So probably some like fluffier breads, something closer to what we'd have today. And this leads us on to the next story, the next myth, perhaps, of how the baguette became a, a national sensation, or at least a, a Paris sensation initially. So this is one of the most popular stories, apparently, uh, which definitely doesn't mean that it's true, but it <laughs> means that it's fun. It's about the Paris metro system. So they first started working on the Paris metro system at the end of the 19th century, around about 1898. And apparently what happened was they had lots of different workmen were brought in from all different regions of France to all work together. They had to get laborers in. This was a massive project. I think I did a quick read about the Paris Metro. They said they had, like, initially they actually planned nine different lines right from the first day mm. to start building. Whereas somewhere like London, they might have, they had, like, the Bakerloo line, I think, was the first one. So they had one line in London, then added new lines. And this one, they actually planned straight up nine lines. Yeah. This went, we're just going to build the whole metro all at once. Well. So quite it, sensible, actually. It took them like thirty years to get planning permission because oh, okay. they were a little bit over ambitious. Uh, but yes, once construction began, they had to get a lot of people in, and apparently these people would squabble a lot. They weren't friends; they're from all different villages, towns, and regions. So what they all previously had was every single worker would have his own personal knife that he would use to cut his bread and to eat his lunch. So the one of the supervisors went to the bakery and said, these guys keep stabbing each other and getting into fights, and it's a complete waste of our time for recruitment purposes. And so could you make a bread that's sort of easy to tear, and then they don't have to use a knife to cut it, and we can just get them to ditch the knives. And apparently that was the, the baguette being born. Just like, hey, just let's... stop people stabbing each stabbing. other in Paris. It's a good story. It is a good story. I like it. But it's true. Tearing bread off a baguette is like the best way to eat it. Yeah. It's amazing. No, if you cut it with a knife, it's also like now, if you cut a baguette with a knife, it's a faux pas. Like, you don't do that. You tear it apart with your hands. You've got to tear it. So, that's, I like that story. I think that's a really interesting story. Yeah. So, it's possible that... That shape of bread was already available before 1898. Yep. Like the thinner bread might have already happened, even though it wasn't necessarily called a baguette specifically in popular culture. But it's a fun story that at least maybe the, the guy went to the local bakery and went, can you give us baguettes instead of this other bread? Because these guys keep killing each other. I like it. I like the story. <laughs> Who fun. Knows? Well, not fun, but... <laughs> It's Entertaining. sort of morbid and random. Uh, but yes, by the 1920s is probably when the word baguette actually spread into popular culture. And the final story regarding how the baguette became the baguette actually maybe has nothing to do with any of the previous stories and has everything to do with France's usual policies of being very, uh, very nice to workers and giving people lots of uh, quality. They actually introduced a law in the 1920s which prohibited bakers from working between the hours of 10 p.m. and 4 a.m. so that they actually got to have sleep. Because before that, when they were baking these large breads, these large breads would need hours to bake. So for them to actually knead the bread, rise the bread, and then bake the bread, they could never have it ready by 8 a.m. for sale in the morning or even earlier than 8 a.m., yeah. 6 a.m., 
They could never have it ready at that point if they were baking breads this big that took that long to rise and that long to cook. So by the, when they put in these restrictions that people weren't actually allowed to start work before 4 a.m., so they actually weren't being forced into slave labor pretty much. At that point, they went, well, we're going to have to make smaller loaves. Otherwise, we won't have anything to sell. We won't have anything to sell when people are going to work. So that is what happened. Uh, and at that point, they also didn't have things like uh, solid refrigeration or proofers with auto timers. They couldn't just leave the bread in overnight and then come back in the morning and it'd be ready to bake straight away like they do today. Yeah. So they had no choice. They had to start work at 4 a.m. and they had to stay, make something that was going to be done and ready to sell early in the morning. So apparently that, that's it. So the, the real story behind that baguette is probably the most boring one. Yeah. It's- no, I'm going to go with the stabby one. Yeah, the stabby one's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than worker regulations. It's not seemingly sure and no one seems to have a, an exact reference as when to when baguette was officially adopted as the official term, it obviously just happened organically. Yep. And no one even seems to have a reference suggesting when it was first used in print, which is weird because by that time you'd uh, think there would be one, but yeah. I can't find anyone who's actually it's offering. usually reference for something like that. That's super interesting. Weird. Yeah. Super weird. So normally at the end of the episode, because uh, that, that's sort of it, uh, sure, baguettes obviously go on from there. There could be more things we could talk about. The future of baguettes more stuff in the news at the moment uh, about France being concerned that even with that 1993 rule that people have to make it in a traditional way, that still the baguette is slowly dwindling and being replaced by sort of artificial versions because they're cheaper. Mm, So, you know, that's it. That was in the news. I saw that was a story from this year uh, in the Telegraph talking about that. Yeah. uh, Loads of different things that happen. Baguettes becoming more popular around the world, of course, all of these things. But I think that's a good place to leave it off. Yeah. If we want to talk about breads in general and breads evolving around the world again in the future, maybe we'll do another episode. But yeah, normally at this part at the end of the show, we talk about the largest baguette ever made or something crazy like that. But yeah, fun fact. It was already quite ridiculous that they were making breads <laughs> bigger than people went then. There. I, I don't even know if, it's, if it would be a funnier story to have some giant factory made baguette that was <laughs> no. 100 meters long. So I didn't even bother. Didn't even bother. Just went, this is too cool, this fact already. So whatever. Fair enough. I like it. I like it. It's very interesting. I didn't know any of that. So I have learned something new and now I really, I I want a baguette. They don't make any good ones. Actually, there's apparently a French guy that just opened up a a store here in Tbilisi and he's meant to be trying to make authentic French cheeses and breads and stuff. So we need to go Mm. and try that out and we'll let everybody know on social media uh, how his baguettes are because there's no good baguettes in Tbilisi right now. Well, I hope he is very aware that he needs a steam oven. Yes. Because otherwise you cannot get it right. I hope wherever you are in the world, you have access to good baguettes because, wow, it's just something that everybody deserves. Yep. Well, at least we have other good bread here. Yeah. All right. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. We hope to be back with another episode in a couple of weeks. Having a newborn baby is a, a little hectic. So we, we don't know what's going to happen, but hopefully we'll have time to do another one. Otherwise, there will be some repeats of some of our favorite episodes until we can get back into the swing of things. Other than that, if you enjoyed this episode or other episodes, tell your friends. It's the most important things. Food travel stuff at the moment for us is a bit rough with the whole COVID situation. So obviously more listeners to our show is helpful and having you guys supporting us is fantastic as well. If you want to support us financially, you can head to foodfuntravel.com slash extras and you can donate a couple of bucks a month just to buy us a beer or whatever, buy us a couple of baguettes. And uh, what they're about euro 20 these days, one euro 20. Yeah, about that. So a dollar 50 for a baguette. So, you know, 
here in Tbilisi, God knows, more expensive probably. Yeah, that's it. Or leave us a five-star review. Those are the only type of reviews that count. Less than five stars doesn't help anybody. No. If you enjoy the show, leave us five stars. If you don't enjoy the show, uh, there's other shows. There's other shows. So, so many fun. shows today. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll catch you on the flip side in the next episode. Thanks for listening to The Dish. Don't forget to subscribe and keep this podcast on the air by giving us a five-star review on your preferred podcast app or channel. Also, come join our foodie community on Facebook in the Food Worth Travelling For Facebook group. Catch you next time.